Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Denise Okuda from Star Trek. This is Michael Okuda, graphic designer from Star Trek. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way, and by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today, audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor that allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I think we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, we're going, we don't need Rose. Yes, who's coming to here? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I am Chrissy Raffensperger. And I'm Dave Sellers. Awesome. I'm glad I'm glad you guys figured out the order. I didn't know. I was like, like who's gonna speak next? But I got this. <laughs> you got this. Yeah, we got this. Well, it's great to be on the show with all of you guys tonight. It's been a while since we've had all four of us here. I think we recorded our favorite moments looking forward with just you, Dave, right? Chrissy, you weren't on that show, right? But no, I I had work that night. Yeah, so it was kind of, you were there because you we shared your comments, but you weren't really there. So. You were there in spirit. Yes. In spirit. We, I, in spirit. We were, very, we were, very, I would have rather... I've been there, trust me. Uh, we were we were channeling you through miles, so you have a very male oh. voice, but that's, that's okay. Yeah, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Miles is a great voice. No, we had fun with your list. Very. Yes, we did. We did. We did. Well, let's talk about what's a little bit because it's been so long. Let's catch up a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world. We'll try to make this brief because you really want to talk the ninth movie of Star Trek, Amish in Space. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, um, and that's the actual name of the movie. Look it up. It's on the internet. It must be true. Um, so, uh, Dave, let's catch up with you. Uh, what's going on in your sci-fi world the past couple weeks? I finished the first two Discovery novels, working on the third. Uh, loving the Orville season two and counting down the time until Thursday when Disco comes back. Well, that's a concise list. <laughs> that <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't forget, we played Star Trek Ascendancy this past weekend. Yes, Dave. that is right. We a did. Five and a half hour game. Five hours that was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which the Frankie won, and Dave was playing the Frankie. Interesting. They did indeed. Uh, uh, we tried to take him down, but you just couldn't take the man down. Uh, which rule of acquisition is that? Never underestimate the other guy's greed. <laughs> uh, Miles, do you have those? Do you have the rules of acquisition? <laughs> I, 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 not all of them, no. <laughs> some of them. Some I of do them. have some of them. Yeah, <laughs> some of them. All right, cool. Chrissy, how about you? What's been going on in your sci-fi world? Oh goodness, let me think. A um, little bit of this, that, and everything. I uh, been dabbling more in getting through some older, like, going back, because the Star Trek Generations movies have inspired me to go back and start watching some of the old episodes, because I haven't seen them since I was, like, you know, three or four or five. So 
And I was like, you know, I really want to go back and, re- and revisit that. So I've been on Netflix watching that. Um, it's not science fiction, but I've been making my way through Path of Exile, which is kind of a dungeon crawler game. And I went and I made an axe this weekend. So that was kind of yeah. more nerd. Yeah, that's it, it really. I, I will. I will post a picture of it. She was. She was honing her blacksmithing skills. So. Yes. Well, you know, you're yes, gonna need so some. That, that is what I did. Yeah. You're gonna need to know that when the zombie apocalypse uh, it's happens. True. It's true. Right. Right. You know, right. And skills. I have been. And I have been researching whether or not I want to try my hand at, at cosplaying at some point. Ooh. Ooh. So I've been. I've been exploring. Mm. Whether or not I want to do that, and we, if so, we what, know, we know what plenty, would I do? We know plenty of cosplayers, so we can help. We, can, help we, we can, if you need any assistance, I'm sure they'd be all be happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good. So, yeah, that that is that's what's going on in my science fiction world. Kind well, of so real dabbling quick, places. So, a real quick question, Chrissy: Are you a blacksmith in WoW? Which, yeah, yeah, one of, one of my characters. I have like ten olds, so. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So it depends, right? <laughs> like and and right now, yeah, I think my main right now is is blacksmith. All right. So my my paladin, my Drenai paladin, <laughs> so my space goat is 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 <laughs> a blacksmith. There you go. Very good. Mobs, how about you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? So I saw Aquaman a couple weeks ago. I really enjoyed that. Um they say this probably by now. This movie is made about a billion dollars. Yeah, absolutely, best DC movie wow. ever. Mm-hmm. Not the best DC movie because we have two of the Christopher Nolan Batman also surpassed a billion. But in recent history, this yeah. is this is huge. Just what a success it's been. Right. Um, I, I subscribe to the DC uh, streaming channel. Uh, watch Titans. Also, uh, Young Justice finally dropped, so I'm watching. I'm enjoying some of that too. Um. Most of the other shows are are on hiatus. I watched a couple episodes of Amazon's um, uh, Electric Dreams. It's kind of the anthology series. Right. And uh, I'm reading a time travel novel called uh, the uh, the Rewind Files. Okay. Yep. All right. And you're you're kind of into the whole time travel thing. I love and I, I love good time travel story. Yeah. Um, there there hasn't been any new Star Trek novels in a while, so I've been just looking on Amazon right. for. Uh, maybe some just some duff, different stuff to read, but uh, I think there's a new discovery novel that uh, that's available soon, so I'll probably get that then. All right. And, and um, are you watching the Orville? I am watching the Orville. I didn't care for the first the first two episodes. The last episode I liked. Um, we we had uh, two two people we talked to on, on the on the on the diner, uh, uh, Robert Picardo and um, John Billingsley. Uh, they right. both guest starred on that, so uh, I thought last week's was was really good. Yeah, absolutely, awesome. And um, by uh, tomorrow, um, I mean by, by this time tomorrow, uh, Discovery would have already aired. But uh, tomorrow, the uh, uh, season two, episode one uh, debuts tomorrow night, which I'm really okay. looking forward to. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome! Well, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the first Discovery. Yeah, I'm, I'm really jonesing Absolutely. for the new Star Trek. Um, so for me, uh, you know, what am I doing? Um, geeky wise, I watched the New Year's Day special for Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad. I know there's some people that didn't like it, but I enjoy, I personally enjoyed it, and Kiefer enjoyed it. Uh, rewatched Monty Python Search for Holy Grail last night with Kiefer. So oh, I know, yeah, yeah he he watched it. Uh, we watched it a couple weeks ago, 
And then last night he's like paging to Netflix. He's like, I want to watch this again. And so, you know, here we were. He's pausing. Oh. He's pausing through all the opening credits and just having a grand old time with it. So <laughs> that that is that is raising your sun right. <laughs> I know, I know, right? So uh, there's that. Uh, I um, I'm playing Lord of the Rings online somewhat faithfully. Um, at least a few times a week, I'm on uh, when I can. And then the other thing. Uh, geeky wise is Spider-Man uh, Far From Home the trailer dropped today so we watched that and analyzed that so that was kind of cool to see that so looking forward to some more Spider-Man and we know that Nick Fury lives all right and and, and Spider-Man lives too apparently. yeah <laughs> apparently mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a given though with a new movie coming out unless they went back well, in time well it, it could be an alternate timeline Oh, let's not go there. (laughs) So you're saying that J.J. Abrams is doing like a Kelvin timeline for the Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe, there we go. Dave's real into that. He loves the Kelvin timeline. (laughs) Right, Dave? Look at that Dave. Dave? Dave? I'm hearing. Dave will have that conversation. Yeah, I'm not actually actually watching you guys because I have my show notes up here. Oh. He's over here making faces. Well, yeah, that's Dave. So many faces. Dave for you. That's a that's a Frankie for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know it could do that. If I make your screen smaller, it puts you on top of each other. That's great. See, I'm learning some new stuff about Facebook chat. Okay, uh, I think that's about it. That, that's that's a, yeah. That's good. Uh, we're heading into Farpoint in a few weeks, right? Can't wait. Second second weekend, we will be at Farpoint. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so that's going to be pretty awesome. And it'll be uh, Miles will be there all weekend. Dave at Saturday, Chrissy Sunday, and M supposedly all weekend too. So oh, good. So and then after that, I think M will be coming back in the show. So that way, Chrissy doesn't have to feel like she's the only female presence in the show. But oh, good, uh, there'll right. be two of us. The two two of you to to fight to fa- to fight the men. <laughs> <laughs> Balance right. out the well, testosterone. Ba- 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't much of a fight. Uh, no. no, you're right. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. All right. So, uh, Miles, uh, we are talking Star Trek Insurrection, otherwise known as Amish in Space. Yes. So, uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a synopsis of this movie just to refresh those of you out there who may not have watched this movie in a while? And um, and then we'll just kind of begin to talk about it. In your synopsis, you can kind of give us a little bit of the stats of how this movie did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we'll just uh, launch into talking about it because there's a, I think there's a lot to talk about with this movie. I, I think I think this movie is very deep. Uh, the battle for paradise has begun as the Dominion War ravages the Alpha Quadrant, an idyllic planet in the middle of an unstable region within Federation space, serves as a home to the peaceful Baku and a veritable fountain of youth. When the Sona and war-torn Federation plan to exploit the planet in order to rejuvenate themselves, Captain Picard and the crew of the starship Enterprise-E must rebel against the Federation in order to save the Baku and expose the atrocities that are about to take place. The movie debuted November of 98. It uh, took in uh, a little over $70 million domestic and about $42 million, uh, in foreign markets and made um, – just under 113 million worldwide. 
So that's not too bad. That that's a that's a respectable showing. Yeah. For uh, 98, right? Yeah. That's not bad. I'm trying to remember what yeah. what it was competing against at the time. I don't I don't recall, but um So yeah, it it um it it, it made some money. And it was directed by Jonathan Frakes, written by Rick Berman and Michael Piller, and music by Jerry Goldsmith. All right, awesome, awesome, right? And uh, it did win uh, numerous awards, right? Throughout, um, I think it did win some Saturn awards. Yeah, yeah it won two Tony awards. Oh wait, no, these are carry notable guest stars they had in it. Mm-hmm. Are part of that, but the yeah the guest stars. I mean, these are all. They got some really good guest stars that are award-winning actors. Um, F. F. Murray Abraham, of course, played uh, Raffle. Um, he uh, took a Academy Award for Amadeus. Uh, Donna Murphy, maybe more well-known on Broadway, uh, has won uh, two Tony Awards. Uh, Anthony uh, Zerb, I'm not sure if I pronounce his name right. Um, he won an Emmy for a supporting actor back in '73 for uh, uh, Harry O. Uh, Greg Henry, um, I didn't notice uh, awards, but he played uh, um, uh, Golna. Uh, but um, he, he he was last seen, I think, as Grandpa in Guardians of the Galaxy. And Michael Welch, uh, who played uh, Artem, the young boy, uh, we actually interviewed him for the podcast. Uh, he oh, plays yeah. a young Jack O'Neill clone in SG One. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's from Baltimore. He's yeah. from Baltimore. So uh, I put a poll up to say, well, what do our listeners think of this movie before mm-hmm. we get into it and kind of tear it apart? And a majority of the people said this was a good Trek movie. Uh, so 64% said this is good Trek. 36% said, ah, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way you guys listening, you gals listening, kind of came down with that. But So where, where do we, what do you want to start as we talk about this Film and we can uh, we can take any which direction. I have a bunch of stuff to talk about too. But what do, what do we, what do you, what do you think? Where do you want to go with this? Um, I think uh, the the movie is a very strong next generation story as far as um, what what we see our heroes do uh, they, when they're not exploring. Sometimes they, they they stick up for the downtrodden and. This is um, – they don't always have to um, defy orders to do it, but this is a strong story of Picard and his crew having to um, defy orders because the orders are immoral. And um, I, I think it, it, the movie it, – it's not the, the most well-loved by Star Trek fans. I think it's a very strong and, and, and deep movie as far as the themes and explores and the questions it asks – um, it, 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 you have an admiral here who is working with these group of people that are um, they're called thugs, the thugs of the, of the galaxy. But um, I, I listened to this on another podcast. Is this this admiral thinks he can stick his hands in the mud and they'll still come out clean? Um, just thinking he's doing he, he 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 may be doing the wrong thing, but he's doing it for the right reason. Uh, so it, it's it's asking those kind of questions too. You said it's amoral. So was that was that your words? I didn't say amoral. I said uh, is it's what uh, I, I immoral. What, what, I, what I said was yeah the 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 crew of the Enterprise is defying order, you know, disobeying orders because the orders are immoral. Okay. Yeah. So uh, were they immoral? 
Well, um, here's a, the do the people that have lived on this planet for three hundred years have a right to this planet? And does anybody have the right to forcibly relocate them and, and steal what 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 this what this planet has to offer as far as um, longevity, good health, and um, you know, uh, and everything it has to offer? Okay, I, I think you know. I, I think I, I you know. You know, I, I, I think we've seen that in our own history, uh, displace a smaller group of people to try to benefit um, the the majority. Um, heck, I mean, I, I, when you and I were talking about this before, I mean, about th- these questions, I mean, our, our government has something like that now. It's called uh, eminent domain. I mean, if, you know, if, if say – there's oil underneath your house or the government wants to build a road. I mean, the government has the legal right to, you know, give you, give what they say is a fair compensation for your property, but they say you have to leave and we're going to do this. I mean, that, that that's, you know, that's a good question. Um, as far as, uh, um, so the th- question th- is, is this benefiting the Federation? Is this a good thing? Mm-hmm. They aren't killing the people. They're no. relocating them. But they're but 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 they're but they're lying. You know they're lying about it. I mean they they have this this ship that's basically a big giant holodeck and it recreated their village. And, I mean it's very cleverly done. We're going to beam these people after we have this uh, the simulation finished. We'll beam the people onto the ship. They think they're home, and we'll take them to another planet and drop them off there. So it's it's a kinder way to do it, but is it a moral thing to do? Um, I mean, I, I if I'll, I'll just I'll just I'll just go on the side of the Baku. I think that, that you know they they've been living there for three hundred years. Um, they're living in a part of the. I, I like when when Picard and and uh, Doherty are arguing over this. You know, Picard is saying, "Well, well before we we harvest the, the the metaphasic radiation away from this planet, you know, let's let's give, you know, we'll create a separate colony for the Sona." And, and you know, Doherty is saying, "Nobody, you know, who, you know, who who would want to live here in this bad part of the galaxy?" Well, the Baku do, you know. Right, the Baku do. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of you, uh, Dave, Christy, what are some of your thoughts on this idea of forcibly relocation? I mean, there's obviously there's there there are there are themes obviously that play into our society, which I think is some of, is what Star Trek's playing with here. But what are some of your thoughts on this idea as being a uh, are the uh, who who are the villains here? The um, Oh, the Sona. The Sona. So, I mean, are, are, are the Sona really the villains here? Well, I, I'd have to revoke my social worker status if I, if I side with them. Um, but <laughs> but I, I am certainly reminded of, of all the numerous groups that I studied in my master's program of, you know, during my diversity class of people being removed, small groups, minority groups being removed 
for the quote unquote benefit of society. And really it didn't benefit the group, the individual group. And I don't really feel like it ever benefited general society anyways. Like they thought it would, and they had all these justifications, but in the end, looking at it in the long term, it has been consistently harmful to both groups. So looking at it from that perspective, you know, I could never support that, that there would have to be some really, really compelling, compelling evidence. And, you know, even when it comes down to, well, we're, we're benefiting the good, you know, we're, you know, doing a small bad to benefit the good. I'm also reminded of like numerous different psychological experiments where, you know, one person or a few individuals were kind of sacrificed up for the sake of an experiment of learning more about human behavior. And as a profession, all of the helping professions, psychology, social workers, sociologists, anthropologists have all strongly come out and said, this was wrong. You know, an individual has certain rights, certain protections that belong to them and we cannot sacrifice those rights in order for the quote-unquote greater good which i thought picard made a very you know good argument when he was like okay so it's 600 people at what point does it become a problem is it a thousand people two thousand a million like at what what point is an issue right and i thought that was a really that's a good great quote by him yeah it's a good argument Spock, though, would disagree with you. I don't know if he would. Spock said, logic clearly dictates the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or even the one. Or even the one. That's what separates us from a machine. Spock's not machine. (laughs) No, but logic is. Right. But I think Spock would also... So you're saying Spock's wrong here, just just to clarify. (laughs) Well, there's also an individual making the individual decision that I will individually sacrifice myself for the needs of other people. I mean, I don't think that it is immoral for a soldier to or an individual to make a decision to join the military. And then, you know, I just uh, was reading story of the guy who called an artillery strike on his own location in order to help his the rest of his um, group retreat out of a town as the Germans were coming in. Mm. So, you know... It is different. You're right. That, it is, it's different because Spock is giving his life up here. And that's... and he's sac- It's a sacrificial thing and that is different. So it's unfair. I'm pulling it out of context and I get that. But this has been referenced quite a bit. Probably some. Oh yeah, I'm sure anybody who's discussed this movie seriously has probably brought in that Spock quote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah, Dave. How about you? What are your thoughts on this whole idea here? Well, you look at the time in the Trek universe when when this event is going on. You've just come off a Borg invasion, which has cost you dearly. You're coming out of the Dominion War, which has again cost you dearly in lives in resources, in, in all of those things. Those are the times where you really, history will show, even our history, where you really have to be careful 
as to what direction you're going to do. Tyrannies are always born out of the best ethical intentions. And to start down your path by saying, okay, we'll just relocate these 600 people. We're going to get this great benefit that we can share with everybody in the Federation because we're going to be dying out here soon because we've just lost so much in a fairly short amount of time. But what comes next then? Does the Federation and their, their, their strong moral virtue start to, uh, again, um, become imperialist in their actions and start expanding their territory because every other power in the quadrant has been beaten up through from the Dominion War? the best way to keep it from getting that far is just don't start down that path and, and stick to what we know and, and what we believe is our core value, which was, was Picard's point, the entire argument, right. I believe. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of what we what, what the United States did to the native Americans. Um, you know, you just, uh, well, we want land, so we're going to give them this land and put them on reservations and, you know, kind of contain them. A smaller group of people where they just kind of displace them because they had something we wanted. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting. Boy, we got deep fast. <laughs> well, they're, they're kind of, we just did that with the pipeline. I oh, mean, yeah. They're like, we're just, we're just going to go through your land because eminent domain and we want that oil. You know, the businesses need it, which won't get too political or anything, yeah. but I, I disagree with it because once again, you're looking at the rights of a few people being trampled on because somebody wants something and thinks that this will benefit the whole. And it's like, didn't we just agree that that was not what we should be doing? Right, right, right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I missed that lesson in school. <laughs> and we do it continually here now with with speech and comedy, where there are certain things that you just cannot say in open public company anymore because it's offensive or someone doesn't like it or it doesn't go along with established, acceptable newspeak. And now you've just changed. Yeah, you're changing the culture in a, in a what we think is a positive way, but everyone's again there instead of their freedom to live, it's their freedom of expression and freedom of opinion that's now being curtailed and demonized. Right, right. Way to pull out the 1984 references, Dave. <laughs> yeah, <I like> that. <laughs> very literary. Oh, very literary. Um, yes. Well, very cool. Must have had a good English teacher at yeah. some point. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I did teach 1984 one time, and uh, then they got rid of it as a summer reading. It used to be required summer reading at our school, but uh, in my opinion, in, in my opinion, one of the most relevant novels to current society. We should be so, reading it now. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Be. yeah. I will put that on my list. I started reading it, and then I forget what happened. Well, it, right it, now I'm making my way through the Brothers Karamazov, and that's a <laughs> that's a slog. Right I'm, I, I'm making my way through Lord of the Rings. The uh, 
And I've just finished the uh, Two Towers, so ready to start Return of the King, whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, that I would like be racing through that. Like I oh, could yeah. go much quicker. Yeah. The air yeah. off. You need to really, you need to really, really delve into down. it. All right. So, uh, where do you want to take it from here? Uh, what What are the things we want to talk about? Uh, this movie has some good callbacks to other things going on in Star Trek. Uh, the Borg are referenced. The Dominion are, and the Cardassians are referenced. I mean, this this takes place just about a year or so uh, before uh, D Space Nine. And, the, the, the show ends and, and the Dominion War is over. Um, they have this thing called the Duck Blind, where they're watching. It's a the the uh, the Baku. Uh, we've seen this this Duck Blind before in the episode. Who watches the Watchers? Uh, they, they, they 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 seem to go you know go you know utilize the you know the the body of work before uh, Riker and Troy renew the relationship um whether whether it was the the radiation made them feel a little younger or whatever it was but uh uh we'll 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 see that uh continue to blossom <laughs> uh and also references what homeward when they use the flying holodeck in homeward to uh, transport a pre-contact civilizations to a new planet. That's right. Uh, that that's the one with uh, Worf's um, uh, adoptive brother. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Next Gen, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie that that, that referenced. Yeah. And, and um, was well, certainly challenging. This one, it's you know, while it's not a main thing, one of the things that's driving this is the whole idea of this prime directive, or sometimes it's called the General Order One or Starfleet General Order One or whatever. Uh, this idea of that you. Sh- the whole reason they're doing a duck blind is because you aren't supposed to be interfering in primitive cultures. Right. And so this culture appears to be very primitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know at first that it's intentionally this way. No, we, we don't. That We find that out. That's much later. Yeah. I mean. It, as, as Chrissy referred to them, Amish in space. But uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much so. Which you said that Riker in the commentary also referred to that. Yeah. So I watched the movie with um, – Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis uh, commentary in this, and Frakes was was saying, well, he's he was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, so he's all aware about the Amish and just the Baku. It's a similar situation where you have uh, people purposely choosing not to embrace technology and to to live to to live this way for whatever whether it's a religious conviction or just a sociological thing. Where this is this is to live this way is, is a more meaningful life for the for these people to, to live with uh, um, where you have to work with your hands more and depend um, not depend on technology even though they're they most of these people I mean we find out in the movie these people have been around for 300 years I mean so they're the the these people have this good thing going with the planet the planet keeps the you know if you're older it'll make you younger and it'll also if nothing bad happens to you, keep keep you alive. Some of these people are over three hundred years old, and they they remember their past lives, um, but they 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 want to live this way. But they do discuss something interesting: is they're younger people, and this is something you know we, we have in our own situation. They want to know what the outside world is like, and they want to you know is this technology thing a cool thing or not? Um, so. 
the Baku are struggling with what you know some of our Amish and conservative Mennonites uh, have to deal with, right? With their so young people, their own rumspringer, so to say, right? Yes. So, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what that is, it's uh, it's a time somewhere between sixteen and eighteen that the Amish are basically allowed to sow their wild oats. Is that an expression? That's a local expression, isn't it? We don't say probably, yeah, yeah. probably yeah. So where you get to kind of, you know, do your own thing and not conform to the church, and then you have to make a decision when you're 18 whether or not you're going to join the church or not. And most, because of family connections and society and culture that they grow up in, decide to join. But there are a few that don't. Mm-hmm. But they go out and they uh, do all sorts of wild things. <laughs> so yeah. Some, yeah. Some, some more than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all joined the Amish Mafia, which we know was an accurate show. Yes, <laughs> so accurate. That accurate was like a hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Levin Levi was my neighbor. Just kidding, he's not. <laughs> so, yes, I never even watched the show. I was uh, too appalled when it came out. Well, I I was forced to watch it when I was visiting some people out in Michigan. They were like, "Oh, you're from here. Let's watch this." And I was like, "Oh goodness, goodness, no! That's that is not even close to realistic." So, if you want to ever play a fun drinking game as as a Lancaster County, and you could just you know watch that, and every time they do something wrong, you could just don't do that. You'll be so, smashed. So um, you'll be smashed like in the first uh, oh, like ten minutes. I swear. Ten minutes. Um, but. <laughs> I, I will say though that they probably have a very good motivation for for a, you know not doing anything technological because if you think about it you know pollution is something that's a very real thing and if you're trying to protect this planet that's keeping you kind of eternally young I would imagine you wouldn't want to pollute it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Which they don't explore at all, but no. if they would probably revisit it, that would be something good to explore. Right. Well, it sounded like, I mean, when the, when Picard is talking to the Baku elders, I'll call them, just the way the way things were going before, the world they were living on before was kind of destroying itself. And that's probably something they eschewed also is just not taking care of the planet. So these people probably, that's probably something they would have in mind is take care of the planet. And if that means not using technology and the planet's resources um, in such a way that would cause it to pollution, they are more than happy and willing to uh, avoid that. Right, right. Um, it's interesting. I think if, we, if this movie were made you know, today, you probably would have the ecological bent to it. There would probably be an ecological message. So, I mean, we were concerned with the ecology because, I mean, we had Voyage Home, right, which was very concerned with like saving the whales and mm-hmm. that whole movement. Um, but yeah. in fact, I found it interesting. I was doing research on this movie and they said after first contact, they were looking to make a movie like voyage home. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like voyage home to me though. It is a bit lighter. It, it is lighter, but <laughs> even the stakes were much higher in, in the voyage home. I mean, there were, the planet Earth was being wrecked apart by this probe. So, I mean, the crew of the Enterprise w- went back in time to try to come up with a solution, try to save Earth. Right. This one, I mean, explores some very important questions, but it's not its not on the same scale as uh, Voyage Home is. No. Voyage Home is much well, funnier. Go ahead. 
And it's just not as funny. No, it's not. As I was going to say. <laughs> it's just not funny. Computer? Computer? <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Great. My favorite part. Oh, great. The hell you won't. Didn't you come in with a woman? One simple mistake. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't watch it, we're going to start just quoting that yeah. movie. Because uh, <laughs> there are some really quotable lines. And so this, I think they were looking at that movie and said, okay, we want something light. Like Voyage Home. I don't think they were, they certainly didn't emulate Voyage Home. Yeah, because then they would have been accused of copying it, probably. Yeah. Didn't stop J.J. Abrams, <laughs> but just saying. <laughs> it, it almost felt like they were almost in a, in, in some some kind of identity crisis to a point making this movie coming off of First Contact which was so action-based and did really well at the box office and everything. Review-wise, did great. But they can't make... It's almost like they didn't want to make another space shoot up movie again. But this one got back to the actual TNG field with a little bit of shoot up in it, which... Again, like you said, it didn't feel the stakes were that high in the movie to keep it exciting to me. I, I don't know. So, so you're saying that in the in the long run, if you were to rate this Trek movie, it doesn't the stakes weren't quite enough for you. I think Miles, we had talked, no. we we had talked prior to this and mm-hmm. you said the same thing. Like, okay, whole planet Earth being destroyed with billions Earth, of people. Yeah, billions of people are six hundred people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that goes back to Picard's question. How Which, small mm-hmm. does it need to be for it to still be important? I, I, and this is, you know, where I think this works better either as a one episode or two-part episode on Next Generation than it does in a movie. Yeah, but this is a perfect Star Trek movie and perhaps the most authentic Star Trek movie that we've reviewed up to this point. But it's I would not debate that. But I, I think here's the thing, though. I, you want to go at it? Let's go, Dave. Let's nerd rage. <laughs> Ocean picture, trekkiest Trek movie ever. Oh, uh, worst Trek movie ever. Oh, no. <laughs> can we still be friends, Dave? He just took off his headphones. He can't hear me. He took off the mic. He's yeah. like, I'm he's done. like, I'm out. Oh, Mic drop. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to grab another beer for that one, Dave. It's <laughs> on my last one. <laughs> and, all, and all you got to say is, "You mad, bro?" Yeah. <laughs> no. But you're right. In in many ways, you are right. It is very much. It, it's the most TNG Trek movie. That I mean, there's only four of them but right it, it felt very much more in, in the in the feel and in the sense and the style of next gen yeah which i think I is why you're saying miles that this should be a really a two-part episode right i think when if you're going to do a star trek movie it, 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 the stakes have got to be a little higher and it's got to be a little more epic i think that's if there's anything this movie is lacking it's probably those two things. It's it, the stakes are not as not as high as some of the other stories we explored, and and 
it just doesn't feel epic. I thought I thought uh, uh, First Contact felt very epic to me. Well, yeah, and again, we're talking about the fate of humanity. Yeah, I mean, so where the stakes are high, just like in Voyage Home, you know, the stakes are high here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my argument is in defense of this movie is that while the stakes may not be high for this for these six hundred Baku. The stakes are incredibly high, and the direction of Starfleet. This is an, the stakes are incredibly high. Are we going to go down this path mm-hmm. of eminent domain? Are we going to become? Are we going to rise and be something more? Are we going to stick to our principles? Yeah, are we going to stick to our principles? Are we going to? So for Starfleet, this is an incredibly important. But you're right. If I'm going to the box office to watch a you know, a knockdown, drag them out movie with high stakes. I think they're there, but I don't think they are as, as you said, epic as some of the other ones we've yeah. seen in Star Trek. I don't know if it's 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 the presentation, or I don't know if it if if it's possible to make the stake if to, to write it in the stakes being that high. It doesn't make it a bad film. I think it's a very good film. It's just when you compare, you know, the, 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 unfortunately. For them, First Contact came out a couple of years before, and I think that just raised the bar so high as far as a Star Trek Next Generation movie goes. Uh, to 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 get close to that bar and to exceed it, it might be impossible. Which which well, good. Go ahead. You finish. Okay. Well, like I get where Scott is coming in and saying, you know, it's really important. Like this is a really high stakes film in terms of Starfleet. However, they didn't talk about it. They didn't really present it that way and I think that's where Miles is coming in and I think that's kind of a lot of the difference between movies that I find that are like good versus great if I have to go outside the source material and really start like digging around in like commentary and all this other stuff then I'm going to come back and being like you know it was good but it could have been better and that's kind of where I come down a lot of times with some of these other media that I that I've watched or seen recently, which is if I have to watch, you know, twenty other things or read like a ninety page book, I'm looking at you, Blizzard, um, in order to understand <laughs> what's going on in a sequence of events, then you didn't do a good job. So I'm gonna say that it could have been like the stakes were there but I have to go digging and something that has to take me out of the experience as opposed to being immersed in it that's the difference between good and great for me yeah the the one thing I thought they could have explained a little bit better and, and I would have actually liked to know is how much did Starfleet and the Federation Council know about what was going on Yes, they approved this plan to harvest this metagenic particles and whatnot. Did they know there was an inhabitant there? Did they know what they were planning to do? Because for the, the entire Federation to go behind that would seems a little bit more crazy and out there than if they found this, had this idea, and this admiral decides on his own to kind of snowball the bosses 
and take care of things on the ground with his buddies and Sona to make this happen could have added a little bit more stakes to it. They were so secretive about keeping the Enterprise out of there, not wanting them to see what's going on, not wanting them to know anything, tried to blow up the Enterprise on their way out to let Starfleet know what was going on there. To me, that just screams they had no idea. Right. And I think if they would have explained that and drew that out a little bit more, you could have dramatically risen, you know, got got the, the tension built up a little bit more there. Or let Picard have a showdown with the Admiral instead of getting his face stretched out like a piece of taffy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I mean, probably not everybody in Starfleet and the Federation knows. Just enough people to know that can make make this happen and and work with the Sona on doing this. Um, I I don't think it's as wide. You know, just just enough to give. Working with Section 31. Yeah, just 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 enough to know just to make it happen. Um, We're getting a series in section thirty-one. That is true. We are. <laughs> I I you know yeah we I'll start talking about that now. Um, no, but, don't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never end this show. Yeah, n- another show. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Well, so I think the other thing that hit me as I was watching, I was thinking about it, especially with you know the show starts with Data going haywire, right? Something's up with that with data, and he's this is data. I don't know why I did that, but data is you know something's up with data. It's screwing up his processor, right? And he goes rogue. And there's been so much conversation in present day on AI, and while that certainly was not a big of thing in '98, I look at that movie now, twenty years plus later, and say. There's a little bit of a warning on managing your AI. Oh yeah. Um, and as I was, I was just thinking of like, as I was watching, you know, that thinking of like Asimov's three laws of robotics. I guess four because there was a zeroth law he came up with later on. But you know, the idea of a robot may not injure a human being through inaction or allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given by its human beings. Or must protect its own existence, or a robot may not harm humanity, or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm. Like there's just these laws governing that's robotics, but even AI. I, I just I was churning my mind as I was watching the interaction between data and and you know everyone that's trying to you know figure out what the heck's going on with this robot. Mm-hmm. Although he was following nothing, what was the thing that Picard said? That, you know, his system activates that the only thing he knows is pure right and wrong. Ethical subroutines or something. Yeah, yes. like there's an, there's an ethical subroutines. And, you know, briefly as I was watching it, thinking about, you know, the ethics of an android... And, you know, they're like, we'll send this the schematics and things like that. And we're just like ripping out his memory chips. And I'm just like, well, how, like, what rights would an Android have, which is explored in a video, recently explored in that video game, like last two years, like Detroit or I forget what that video game is. Someone will comment and tell me what it was yes. where they were looking at, um, you know, 
androids becoming self-aware and, you know, their rights. So that's something that I think is very interesting that didn't get explored, but it can certainly provoke that conversation. Yeah. And maybe where it was explored only in a cursory way here. Right. Yeah. Dave, did you have something you were going to comment on that? Oh, I thought you, you looked like you were going to talk. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it is interesting. And certainly, certainly throughout uh, next gen, you know, data is humanity and whether they treat him as human is something that is explored throughout the series. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So what else do we need to talk about regarding this? We're doing a, this is a great conversation about some of the psychological stuff here. I know. Well, we I like it. Love it. Me on a production value. We, we had a few things that were new, which I thought were pretty cool. This, 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 this scout ship, whatever it's flown by data that he uses to, um, Fire, you know, to fight against the sun. I thought that's a pretty cool ship. Suboot, we only ever saw it once. Um, the captain's yacht, which I'm, I'm sure, Dave, you, I think you have the, the Enterprise technical manual. It it was alluded to, but we we never saw. But th- this time, we actually did see it. Yeah. So I thought that was that was that was pretty cool. Um, Starfleet bazookas. What uh, Worf was using to fight fight off against those drones. Talk about you know something we're dealing with today. Drones. Uh, those cloaking suits I thought were pretty cool. The hollow ship was an interesting idea. So they 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 they, they introduced some some interesting stuff um, we hadn't seen before, or, or or maybe it was alluded to. And a couple that felt kind of pointless. Data's <laughs> fl- personal flotation device, just pointless. And was the <laughs> manual steering joystick on the Enterprise really something necessary? <laughs> that bothered I, you? I, yeah, it, it really, really did. I don't know why. Maybe it was because I had a better looking one sitting at home when I watched the movie in '98, or or what. But I was like, you can't pilot the Enterprise with a joystick. That that just did not sit right with me. Apparently, you can. Apparently, you can. Apparently, yeah, in emergency situations, you can. <laughs> Scott, give Michael Okuda a call and tell him I need it's, to see that in a technical manual. Right, it is, right. It is. It has been done. I do have his number. Um, can, but it was done. I will text him, see what he says. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I could probably message him on Facebook. He'd probably answer that question. I bet he would. If I were. But then <laughs> block your number out of his phone. Like, like, block. He'll never, he'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep DMing him over and over on uh, on Twitter <laughs> till he responds. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought uh, the cloaking. Yeah, the cloaking suits were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of your What were some of your uh, favorite moments in the movie? We really didn't talk about that. But what were some of your uh, favorite moments? We talked a lot about some of the philosophy and some of the moral things in it, but. Miles, give me a favorite moment. Um, One. I, I liked the argument between Picard and Admiral Doherty about the whole situation. Um, I mean, they just put it out there on the table. I mean, uh, you know, Doherty's trying to do something that'll benefit everybody in the Federation. Yeah, we have to um, 
do it with these um, thugs, maybe even criminals, but it, they, they have the technology and we, it, the plants in our space and Picard is saying, you know, we don't do this in the Federation. We, we respect people's individual rights and this is the, these people's home. We don't have a right to take it away. So I thought that was, a, it was, it, it was a good exchange. Very good. Chrissy, how about you? What's a favorite moment for you in the movie? Well, he, he took that. It's going to sound weird, but um, one of my other favorite moments was when Picard was examining the quilt. I really, and the, the level of craftsmanship that was there. And I just, I have a, I have an eye for art and I really, really like, or something got my throat. Um, really do like art and it reminded me a little bit well it reminded me of the Amish quilts that we that we have here right and so it was just one more it was just one more call to say look at this Amish in space there we go there we go. style uh, Dave didn't you actually discover a series on Amazon like Amish Amish vampires in space or something like that Amish vampires in space yes I found it <laughs> when we were talking earlier on the chat and Chrissy brought the Amish comment. I was like, oh, I gotta see if I can find like a meme with, with the with the crew of the Enterprise kind of trans transposes Amish people, and the cover came up for Amish vampires in space on Amazon.com. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding! Me. <laughs> so, so next time you ask what's new in my sci-fi world, the answer is gonna be. This 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 thing right here. Oh, well, you're it's beautiful, right. beautiful by Carrie Neitz. Neitz. It won some awards even too for it's got e-books three, and stuff. Three point seven out of five on Goodreads. Well, so not terrible. I've seen worse books. So, uh, did you download it for your Kindle, Chrissy? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna download it like now as you're talking. <laughs> Amish vampires in space. Dave, how about you? Uh, a favorite moment for you in this film? I've got two that are tied for me. Oh, sure. Bring in the two. Go ahead. I, <laughs> because, I mean, especially with the later Trek movies and everything, the comedy is usually what I love to look for in there. The simple one-lines, the, the one-offs. So, Worf getting a giant pimple and... Picard and especially Riker giving him a bunch of grief about it. It, w- it was hilarious. But I don't think anything struck me quite as funny as Data talking about boobs and having no clue what the hell he's talking about. That made me laugh hysterically and still does to this day every time I watch it. So, uh, <laughs> And Worf's looking at him like, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Funny story. I'm watching, I'm reviewing clips of it in YouTube, and that is the clip that my son walks in on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> and he just, he just rolled laughing. He just loved it. He just loved that line. <laughs> Favorite line from the movie. So I'm standing there all creepily over Crusher and Troy while they're talking about. Yeah. Oh. They're like, excuse me? Yeah. Which which is exactly our like women are having those sorts of conversations and a guy stands up and we're just go away. Women stop, shoot. Yeah, yeah. You know, but this is this is so classic data. 
who's trying to understand humanity and he says stuff that he is he, he's a guy that says you know and he just doesn't know the context he doesn't have the no. context and so and, but it, it's what makes him funny or annoying sometimes i find him annoying sometimes when he does it but yeah yeah in that context it was hilarious it was <laughs> it was speaking of crusher give her a gun and um she hits just about everything that's put in front of her. I mean, not a big fan of her as a doctor, but, uh, you know, as somebody shooting a phaser, you know, give her a target. She'll hit it every time. Definitely no stormtrooper. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. she knows. She's spending a lot of time in the holodeck practicing. Okay. Right. Right. It, it showed. It definitely yeah. showed. Uh, aggression. Maybe she would be a better doctor if she wouldn't be spending so much time in the shooting ring. Yeah, yeah, that's a, true. That too. True. True. <laughs> I like the the Briar Patch battle, the whole battle of Briar yeah. Patch. That, that that battle is a great battle. It comes on like the whole sequence, both in the air on the planet, and um, I did think uh, they're on the planet and they're like zapping people up, right? You know, they're teleporting them up. I did think this reminds me a little bit of Avengers: Infinity War. You know, like random people are disappearing <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously different context, but. Uh, but anyways, that battle was a fun battle for me. It's, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite battle in Star Trek, but it's a good battle. It's an enjoyable battle yeah, scene. Yeah. I mean, I think they did a good job uh, making yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, I, I have some trivia. Yeah. Let's see how much trivia you guys know. Um, <laughs> I'm not yeah. He's like, Dave, bring it on. But um, so did you know that they were initially going to have an anti-grav scooter chase scene like Star Wars did? The Return of the Jedi. I did not know that. Yeah. It was scrapped, but they were they talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times did he rewrite the script? I, I heard that this was this had gone. This is a situation where you had too many cooks uh, making the broth. Um, I know that. Uh, I mean, it was uh, how many drafts of the script is maybe a better way? That three or four. Yeah, it was three. Yeah. And this and this and the second one happened because Patrick Stewart said, "I'm not doing it if we're doing this script." <laughs> <laughs> kind of incentive when you have your captain saying that. Yeah, when you have your lead saying, uh, "Yeah," like, "No, I'm, I'm good." <laughs> Makes me want to read it. I think you you might uh, you, you might probably well find it online someplace. But uh, Michael Pillar, the one who is really credited, uh, he. He actually had a journal of his time writing a script for um, uh, Star Trek Nine. You could find on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So, did you know that initially they were going to kill off Data in this movie? I heard that was discussed. Yeah. So, Pillar rewrote the plot to include Data dying early in the movie, but resurrected to help Picard at the end. But uh, initially, even uh, even in um, First Contact, they had talked about. Killing him off and then recasting him. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, Let me see. We had that. Did you know that the uh, Romulans were initially supposed to be the protagonists of this movie? Oh. That would have made it a little. It would be interesting. Then you lost the whole Sona Baku of the same people angle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. So. So this movie is initially called The Heart of Lightness. Um, 
Um, supposed to be polar opposite the themes in Joseph Conrad's novel Heart of Darkness. And he changed the, uh, but it was supposed to have the Romulans of protagonists since they had never received notable attention in Star Trek films. Hmm. There were, this, this film went through a gazillion titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, where time stands still forever beyond paradise, pathfinder, millennium, past and future, transcendence, rebellion, the prime directive, the directive, the resignation, the enemy within, breach of promise, dereliction of duty, and apostasy. And then it was supposed to be his favorite. Pillar's favorite was Star Trek Sacred Honor. The Paramount said too religious. So maybe there. How long was the makeup artist for F? How long did it take F. Murray Abram to get his makeup on? He was the guy that played, what was the race again? The Sonar. Uh, the Sonar, yeah. The Raffles. Six hours. Four and a half hours to get the makeup on. Damn. An hour to get off. So, uh, that would be awful. That would. But, you know, you figure Michael Dorn had to deal with that every day. And, 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 and the other characters from the other Star Trek shows, if they had to be in prosthetics, it was a you know, long, arduous process. So, uh, which one of the cast members fell asleep through the screening of the movie? I won't answer this one because we talked about it off air. Uh, uh, which so of the cast members? Yeah, which one of the cast members? You, you have a I short... Know it. You can just guess. <laughs> Troy. Chrissy, do you have a guess? Marina Sirtis. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh so, Miles? You are correct, Dave. Yep. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> she fell asleep during the screening of the movie. Um, wow. Um, I mean, you know, it was so soothing. Yeah. She said uh, she was never fond of insurrection. She fell asleep halfway through the movie's premiere. It was her first oh, viewing wow. of the movie since it was finished, and she couldn't have fallen asleep at a worse time. The movie's gala premiere event. So. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yep. She was tired. She, just, she was you know, made a movie. I know. I Busy mean, schedule. That's right. That's right. Um, also, of note, uh, the teaser trailer for the movie reused previous movie scenes. Didn't actually use scenes from. Oh, okay. From I'll, I'll have to look up an old trailer for it. And... Yeah. I... <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, those are some good trivia. That's some base trivia. So. I noticed a trend in some of that is that they've taken all these thrown away ideas and dumped them into the next movie. <laughs> yeah, you notice that too. Uh, no. uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a good thing they waited. <laughs> Somebody was really attached to those ideas and they were like, darn it, it's going to be in the next one. We're I'm going to make it. Get so. this, get the water. But. All right. Well, anything else you need to say about this movie here? I mean, what uh, we I felt like we'd done a good job kind of dissecting it here. I wish they would have done a better job of explaining Worf's presence on the Enterprise. Now, I get it. It's a TNG movie. Worf, Worf Station D Space Nine, but you have to have him for a TNG movie. <laughs> it made so much sense in uh, First Contact. He was commanding the Defiant. And he and the crew were rescued from the Enterprise. And then moving forward, he was in the rest of the movie. But in this one, it's just kind of, eh, 
Worf, what the hell are you doing here? You know, and um, he he answers well, off screen. You know, it's yeah. I think I I'm just assuming wasn't it like because Picard was meeting with a different alien race at some point, so I forget. Never did get to see him dance with her, um, which would have been hilarious. It would. So so maybe he was there because of that like treaty thing. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Right, maybe that right. was the reason. But again, we're having to kind of theorize outside the movie. The movie doesn't explain it real well. Exactly. It just when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I put it into good as opposed to great. Yeah. There you go. Back to back to a good movie. It's just treated like a joke. It's. I mean, it would have been. It was dealt with much better in first contact. Very good. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, thoughts we should discuss, Dave or Chrissy, before we go? No. no. I think we covered it. Yeah, I think the only thing that I want to just mention before we go is uh, this movie does do a good job of analyzing, and I think especially in our culture where technology is so prominent and in so many ways governs our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So like right now we're recording this on we're using Facebook. I have websites up and I have my phone sitting on my lap. And there's, you know, there's this, you know, technology is very much and this idea of the dangers of technology moving our lives forward that we don't always consider the impact and maybe aspects of our lives that it's destroying that are important. And I think this kind of this movie in one way asks us. Make sure you don't lose what is core to you as humanity. It may be in some way. Oh, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that that's important. I didn't want to go off the show without saying that. I think that this also has an important message for us here today. Don't let – be masters of your technology, but don't let it master you. So mm-hmm. as it says. Oh, you could have activated another 45-minute tirade for me as a mental health professional. <laughs> no, and, and no doubt. No doubt. Um, the, the, the breakdown of, of social bonds and community and families, and I, I could go on for another 20 minutes, hour. Yeah, I think those observations. <laughs> what one day maybe we'll just talk about that. We can, we can just talk about that. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, – the church I go to right now is the guy. The pastor is talking is doing a whole series on loneliness and how prevalent it is, and um, what the statistic. It was it blew my mind that that loneliness is the being lonely is the equivalent to like smoking fifteen cigarettes a day, like people with chronic loneliness. The way it impacts your health in the long run, and and this has to do with this idea of social connection. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's a total diatribe, and Chrissy's right. We could totally talk much more on this than we regretted tonight. But So uh, real quickly before we go, let's rate this movie. Um, I won't ask you to rate it against other Star Trek movies tonight, but uh, if we were to score this out of five stars, where would you rate it? Miles, I'm going to put you in the spot. Out of five stars, where would you put it? I would give it three and a half stars. I think it is underrated. Uh, it what it lacks, and maybe when we talk about the stakes and whether it be an epic, it, it does do a good job of asking some important uh, questions and d- does some good philosophical exploration. Um, and so I, I think it does a good job with that. It's, it's, it's still worth watching now. All right. Very good. Dave, how about you? 
I'd probably go. Yeah, I'd go the same three and a half. It, it, it's it's one I'll watch over and over again. And the, again, it's another one. The more I watch it, the older I get, the, the more I appreciate it and the more I like it. Um, but it, it's never been one of my my absolute favorites. Yeah, three and a half. Chrissy, how about you? Where do you end up with this one? Well, before I realized we were allowed to be giving half stars, I was just going to rate the three. So I'm, <laughs> I'm with everybody else in this. It's a, it's a three and a half. Where it puts it again goes back to my. It's a good movie. It's a pretty solid movie. It's very next generation movie. I wouldn't put it in a like the great category. Good but not great, which I think we see kind of reflected in our viewers, where they're like sixty four to like thirty six. So they right. kind of put it like it's above, but it's not spectacular. Yeah, above average, but not anything stellar. And that I think I'm going to agree with that rating. I was going to initially say four, but as I'm thinking about it, th- there are some other movies I think I would rate a four in the Star Trek verse, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's certainly some I would rate a five. But uh, this is not this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, as we dialogue tonight, some excellent themes and things that are important for us to consider. It's certainly being Star Trek and asking us to contemplate society, our life, and what we do. Uh, and on that way, it's a very successful. It's a five if you're looking at just that stuff. But as a whole, holding up as a movie, um, three and a half. Three and a half is a good, a, good, a good rating for me as well. Seems like we're all pretty much in agreement. I'm trying to take this movie and take the Enterprise and Picard's crew out of it and replace it with the Defiant and Cisco and company. And I'm thinking that could almost make it a five for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I think if you. I'm just picturing Cisco going nuts with the Admiral. Yeah. I think I would just like to see the the Kelvin timeline crew in. You're just egging me on, aren't you? I'm working on it, Dave. I'm working on it. Well, I think this is great. Uh, a good place for us to kind of uh, <laughs> to, to wrap up with this. Um, before we go, we would love to hear your thoughts about this movie. If you didn't share them online, we've shared some of what our viewers have said. But if you would like to share your thoughts, you can always email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. And you can send in audio clips. And we would just love to hear from you. You can see it's on Twitter or Facebook. We would We'll, we'll get that. The other thing to be considering, and we're going to mention it here, we would love to hear uh, in two weeks from now, two, three weeks from now, we will be doing our 350th episode of the Sci-Fi Diner. But not only that, we'll be celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Sci-Fi Diner. So, Miles, we have been dining for 10 years. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, favorite moments, favorite interviews, things that um, you've liked over the years for those of you who have been long-time listeners. And um, uh, we'd love to, you know, if you want to send a voicemail clip in, you can email it to us. Um, or we would just love to hear the things that you want us to talk about. We have some talking points already that we've been uh, kind of gathering here. Um, but, yeah, so that's going to be coming up as well. Plus, Farpoint. If you're going to Farpoint, let us know because we will be there in some capacity. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. 
So am I missing anything else, or is that uh, that's? Did I hit everything that I need to hit? I I think we covered it. All right, very good, awesome. We're good. Well, Dave, Chrissy, it was great chatting with you guys again. Miles, good to have you back on again. Always good to be at the diner. Yes, fabulous. We had a good discussion here tonight. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to take us out of the show? All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Jaloja. <laughs> Leave your tips on the table. If you've enjoyed the conversation, the owners of this establishment would love to hear from you. Send your comments and feedback to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner.